0: Hi, Tim Burnett here from the past team, and I'm joined by Emma Hall. Say hello, Emma. Hi, everybody. Excellent. So we were at uh, the Federation of Warning Boys conference a few weeks ago. Now. We were. It, was, it, was, it might have been a week ago. Um, and we were talking about top tips for online invigilation or remote proctoring, depending on what part of the world you're from.
1: Yes, that's uh... It's a good session that morning.
0: It was very good. It was very early, wasn't it?
1: It was, and there was breakfast served at that session, Tim, and you haven't got me any food here, so I'm a bit disappointed.
0: Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, sorry, I apologise. Uh, we're in afternoon territory, you know, <laughs> so it should be scones and uh, tea. Um, <laughs> so we took uh, the, the delegates. There was a, a reasonably good number of dele- delegates there, but obviously we understand that some people couldn't get up um, or just couldn't actually get to the conference. So we thought we'd take you all on a little bit of a, a journey through the top, Ten tips for venturing into online invigilation or remote proctoring, uh, or,
1: or remote invigilation,
0: or the, or the multiple variations of that. So let's uh, let's start really. So I think the first one's for me really is is start with the right test. So I think our recommendation has always been pick a particular test which isn't necessarily a high stakes big exam. Don't go straight for your six hour long uh, critical massive, huge, high-stakes, really important business-breaker examination. Let's start looking at a slightly lower-stakes examination, one with a simpler approach to the the, the exam itself, certainly in terms mm. of the time span as well. Um, but, yeah, you, it's just picking the right one just to start dabbling with this. Uh,
1: yeah, maybe piece. something with smaller numbers, with yeah. a little bit lower stakes. Uh, to kind of dip a toe in.
0: And it, particularly people who might be uh, a little bit more friendly to the idea of innovation, I suppose, as well. So mm-hmm. I know we had a big conference very recently we had one of the delegates talking about MOT testing and they suddenly found that um, by di- rolling out a big a digital testing programme that candidates who in the majority of it, over the 50s didn't even know what a mouse was. So you know, you've got to be careful as to who you pick because there is a degree of... Um, Technological setup that is on the requir- on the part of the candidate really isn't
1: it so. Yeah, and that can be intimidating for the candidate when they've not done it before. So just stop thinking about them and choosing your right audience, I think.
0: Excellent, excellent. So that's my top tip uh, number one, uh, and that's picking the right test. Emma, if you got a tip um,
1: for us? Yeah, I would say my I guess once you've picked your test, the next step is always going to be kind of picking your method of proctoring, if you like. So choosing between live proctoring and more record and review type options. Um, I guess you've got your live is where, you know, there's a real time person there monitoring the session. And um, that's probably better for dealing with incidents then and there, um, perhaps good for approaches where there are risks involved. You know, if there's a concern about content harvesting, for example, having that person there who can immediately stop the session if they feel they need to, can be really useful. I guess the other side of it is record and review and that's got its own benefits. Um, That's, so benefits can be more cost effective, um, especially if you go down a a sampling route where you're just looking at a few of the recordings or a certain percentage. Um, There's also kind of a bit of conversation about whether reviewing after the fact can actually be a little bit better for picking up on certain activities. And so it can be easier to identify suspicious behaviours when you can rewind or pause or can go back and replay. You can just kind of spot things a little bit easier and and interact with that video. So that's that's one
0: option. You can do both though, can't you? You could do a live examination and then still look at the uh, recorded footage.
1: Yeah, yeah. You've you've got your solution that has that recorded footage. That can be really useful, especially if there's an incident and you want to kind of get into a bit more detail.
0: And I suppose one of the benefits of record and review is it's, it's less resource intensive. Uh, you don't need to have people there and then ready and waiting to take, to, to monitor the examination. There's obviously yep. the start of the verification processes, but um, it's easier to scale.
1: To it is, and, and it's easier to do 24-hour delivery as well, because you don't need to have as many people on hand, you know, during, sorry, outside business hours.
0: So, is it, like I say, try try all these methods... Um, see which ones are working for you see which ones are working for your qualification gain the feedback and you know pilot 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 is always <laughs> the, uh, the, the approach to go so my next tip really number three is don't confuse the candidate with excessive brands now the reason why I mention this is that there are there are some providers out there who will offer the entire technological package when it comes to the uh, examination process there's you've got the awarding body in the first place or the certification or licensure body you've then got the technology of the the assessment platform in there and then you may have the additional technology of the uh, remote proctoring or online invigilation software they the candidate doesn't need to really know any about any of those things now i'm i'm in marketing and obviously i want uh people in the awarding sectors to to know my brand but the candidates, you know, the brand connection is with the awarding organization. Um, and this actually helps a lot with, we're going to come on to kind of email communication, things like that. So, yeah. you know, there's no need to give the candidate too many things because they're going to get confused and they're going to start to question. We're living in a day and age these days where, you know, we we should be questioning more about the communication that we're getting from organizations. Is this a legitimate email? And people are getting very suspicious and they're very defensive about you new, being approached by a new organization. So, it's a simple thing really, but look for the, the technology platforms out there that can, uh, like Spass that can kind of help you just minimize the, the impact of, of brand impact on the candidates. So that's my tip number three. Um, Emma, tip number four, what have you got?
1: Uh, staying on my email theme really. So, I guess my advice is beware the spam filter. Um, so if you're sending out email communications with advice, what to do before the exam, what to do on exam day, just don't assume that A, because you've sent it, they've received it. Don't assume that because they've received it, they've even opened it. And, and I guess if they have opened it, and if you're looking enough that they've read it, don't then assume that they've followed the instructions within because there can be confusion. So um, you really need to be tracking the progress. So. Um, look for a system that not just helps you get past those spam filters and you know helps you get past the kind of company rules that might stop emails getting through
0: because there, there are grading ideas you can grade an email can't you it's how how uh, how spammy it is yeah how
1: suspicious it looks yeah, that's the yeah. yeah. so it's things like having lots of links that go to lots of different places on the it and yeah i don't
0: know
1: if there's probably a lot of others but
0: and I suppose that comes back to that brand point as well. That yeah,
1: keep you, it simple, I guess.
0: Yeah, so if you've got 15 different companies, technologies in the background, that's going to raise its spam awareness point, isn't it?
1: Really? <laughs> Make it harder to get through. And um, Because once it's it's through, if you can track you know, that they've seen it, but also that they've done it. So if you can track that they've done any pre-checks or system requirements that they need to kind of go through, you know, if you can track those steps, you're halfway there because you can chase them, and that will really help minimise any issues on the day.
0: Excellent. excellent. So that's um, that's your top tip. In well, just, number four. Yeah, don't don't assume, I think, is the, the <laughs> biggest point of that one. Um, and tracking is a big part of it. Um, now, obviously, throughout the process, my top tip, number five, mm-hmm. is you've got to support your candidates as you go through um, you, you are effectively... Um, in, when you're dealing with test center based examinations you can rely on the fact that all they need to do really is turn up and everything mm. every piece of technology uh, requirement and every question is going to be answered by someone there yeah. and then and that been that's for them. yeah and that's the, the the mark of a good quality test center arrangement um, if you're doing this all, Remotely, people are going to be in their own houses, they're going to be using their own technologies. Now, at least when they're using their own technology, you know, and the idea of bring your own device, which effectively, this is, this is what this is, um, you know, they're aware of their, the capabilities and quirks of their own, uh, platform. But, you know, they're using a piece of software which they're not going to be using on a regular basis. So, you know, just be there to hold, handhold your, your client, your, your customer, um, your candidate all the way through the process. So, uh, even if it's the chat, you know, arrange uh, support, yep. whether it's live on-screen chat. On-screen chat. Yeah, on-screen chat is, is, works perfectly for people to ask questions. Yep. Um, and it's particularly when you've got screen sharing involved, the, the chat people can actually see what's going on as well, so that they are able to, just to see support. It
1: yeah. can be intimidating, I think, can't it? You can think, thinking, oh, if I press the wrong button here, I might potentially fail my exam just because I've, you know, click the wrong close button or something like that. So just having that support just gives people that comfort that they're making the right decision.
0: Yeah, these are stressful things. And I, I suppose, again, this comes right back to point number one about picking the first the, the right test. Yeah, you're working with people, you're building up these things slowly so that you're able to, you're not suddenly launching your brand into this uh, new wilderness and going to cause yourself uh, a <laughs> detriment. So, uh, so that's number, uh, tip number five, support your candidates. Tip number six, Emma.
1: Um, So this is around where you've got different suppliers for different parts of your solution. So perhaps you've got an assessment system for delivering the exams. Perhaps you've got one for the remote invigilation. Um, Where you've got different suppliers for those, it can be really difficult to get a conclusive answer on who needs to do something if something goes wrong. Um, So my advice would be wherever possible, try and contract with one organisation who has that overall responsibility for the delivery. And that can just make things a lot simpler. If there is an issue that comes up, it's a lot quicker to get it resolved, and you can deal with it, and everyone can kind of get on with the test.
0: Excellent. Yeah, and it's a, it is a very good point that it, you kind of just, yeah, you know, we, something we're quite proud of what we've done is just to have that one contractual point uh, yeah. for surpass. And even though there are multiple you know, players involved in in all this, then it, it really does because we've had people coming to us haven't we, from other suppliers have said, I just couldn't get a straight answer out the where where the things were going wrong. Yeah. Uh, and they, they, they just the, wanted
1: one person on the end of the phone that would say, don't worry, we can sort this.
0: Excellent. So that was number, t- tip number six, avoid the blame game. Uh, tip number seven, um, this is a bit of an interesting one. Um, obviously, this is an audio thing, so you can, it maybe loses the impact, but um, <laughs> tip number seven is be prepared for some very questionable appearances. Um, now, this ranges from a number of things, such as, Uh, the state of the candidate's uh, room and workspace even though they know there's webcam involved they do kind of forget that they're being recorded and they're very relaxed in their own home environment so we've had examinations where people have been taking them on their beds uh, been in their pyjamas thankfully I don't think there's been any nudity just yet but uh, I suppose it's only a question (laughs) of time Um, so and, and I think I know some of our guys, clutter um, is obviously something. Now, obviously, don't get too much tied up in the mess side of things.
1: Yeah, I guess it's the balance between your environment needs to be clear. So, you know, there's nothing there that they shouldn't have. But at the same time, they can't empty their entire house just to do one test.
0: Yeah, so it's it's knowing what is materials which are connected with the examination, which are purely decor of the room or office. Uh, but, yeah, just... Be, make sure that anyone who's involved in this process is, is, uh, open-minded to some of the sites
1: that they may yeah, see. Yeah, I think, I think open-minded is a thing. It can be a bit uncomfortable for the, the proctors or the reviewers. I think we've, we've heard that from them. It, it feels a bit odd to be watching someone in their bedroom. That's not something that you normally do. Yeah, I see. Um, so just a, a bit of preparation for them so that they know what they're expecting and they don't feel, you know, <laughs> surprised. Surprised.
0: Excellent. So that's tip number seven. Be prepared for questionable appearances. Uh,
1: Tip number eight, Emma. Um, So this is don't assume that they're cheating. So when they're in their home environment, whether that's you know at work or in the office um, or literally in their in their home in their bedroom, as we said, um, people act a lot differently to how they would in a test centre. They're just they're in a different mindset, I think. And So a lot of their behaviour that might look suspicious might just be a consequence of that environment, of them being more comfortable or of them kind of forgetting that they're being watched. Um, So I think what I'd really just say here is that if there is something suspicious, you know, for example, if someone comes into the room and something happens, just take into account all your evidence, look at your audio recordings, look at, you know, the rest of the test and, and what's happened throughout it, because it might just be that that's something they can't control and perhaps... They shouldn't be punished for that because it really is just a, you know, a random incident that they had no way of stopping.
0: Yeah, I saw a video, piece of video footage of a, a gentleman taking an examination when uh, someone walked in. It was in an office environment. Someone walked into the room. Now, mm. uh, one of the nice pieces, uh, the nice parts of the technology that we use is that we have the smart phone camera uh, being used mm-hmm. as a, an additional camera within the room. So candidates, who use the smartphone, they, they're able to. Um, scan around the room using the smartphone and then that's placed to the side of them and they can see across them as they're working. So you've got three points of view really. You've got what's being recorded on screen, you've got the webcam on the, the, the candidate's kind of device on the laptop, plus you've also got this um, smartphone camera which, you know, pretty much everyone has a smartphone so it's not an mm. inaccessible piece of kit. But what was nice about this was that the, the smartphone camera picked up the, uh, the uh, cleaner, as it was, coming into the room to take the bin. Now, it was very clear that that person came and picked up the bin, emptied it into a basket, uh, paid no attention to the fact that the candidate was waving their arm saying, I'm in an examiner. It? <laughs> um, and, and left. Well, it to be stopped. And, well, just little things you could do, actually. So, in addition to, obviously, using technology like Spass, so you've got that additional footage that you can use to verify um, you can also provide out as part of your marketing materials uh, a, a little door hook, um, a bit like in hotels, Do Not Disturb, um, and that's a nice little piece that you can hang on, people can hang on the door and it just says, examine progress, quiet please, mm. uh, something like that. So uh, little little things like that can really aid with the, the, the exam process.
1: Yeah, and it's it's something that doesn't necessarily um, have to have a big cost impact, cause that can just be something that you email out as an attachment and it gets printed off and you know, maybe blue tapped onto the door. Just little touches make it a bit more streamlined, a little bit easier.
0: Yeah, they help you at the end of the day as well as the the candidates. So that's tip number eight. uh, Don't assume they are cheating. Two tips left. Two tips left. Uh, Tip number nine, uh, think about toilet breaks. (laughs) Uh, Now, this is something that we get quite a lot. um, And obviously, the nature of most examinations that are out there are knowledge recall based uh, assessment where in a test centre environment, uh, candidates will still need to go to the toilet as part of their exam. So obviously they've got the opportunity to put their hand up and go, but you're in more control of that environment. That room can be scanned uh, prior to anyone going in, so you know there's no cheating materials uh, in there. The candidates also turned in their phone before they uh, start the exam. But in a home environment, you don't necessarily have uh, that uh, reassurance. So partly... uh, it's an opportunity to think about your your approach to assessment. So obviously, uh, problem-solving based activities uh, lend themselves slightly better, I suppose, than uh, knowledge recall based activities because it's it's harder to uh, it's, it's harder to cheat really. As, as, and harder to you know, cheat quickly. Yeah, harder to cheat quickly. Yeah, perfect. Uh, but there's also some other opportunities within the technology. So within Spass, particularly, uh, you can have sections within the, the uh, system. So. Uh, you can have a linear section, uh, so the candidates actually can't go back. So give them the first uh, part of the test, let's say 30 minutes. Um, you can have a planned break as part mm. of that. Uh, so if they do need to go to the toilet as part of that uh, process, um, then they can do so. But if they do, you know, sneak a peek at the book uh, while they're in there, they're learning material, then they come back, they can't go back and change the responses. So you know, little things yeah. like that can actually aid you to you know, do more with it
1: existing yes, time just minimize that risk yeah it is you know, short time is a relatively small risk but it's always there
0: and you, you make a good point there because choosing remote invigilation or remote proctoring based examinations is about risk mitigation or you know a review of risk and the, yeah. there are different risks aren't there compared with test centers you know, test centers aren't always 100 percent uh, guaranteed. There's no, still...
1: nothing is foolproof. There's, there's,
0: yeah.
1: There'll always be fine. There'll always be ways. There's trust. And people will always look for new ways.
0: Exactly. You're you on trust there. So, yes. so tip number nine, uh, think about toilet breaks. Um, so, final tip, Emma. Tip, tip
1: 10. Tip 10. Tip 10, I guess, is not really a tip. It's a, it's a request. It's a, <laughs> a hope. So, it's, it's be bold. Uh, be brave. So, just don't be afraid to try it. Um, We know in the UK that Ofqual are are really, they're interested in breaking down the barriers to this, getting people, getting people moving towards it. And I'd say it, it only takes a few organizations to start things moving. It's fine to start with a small number. It's fine to start with, you know, a low risk test. But when people see it happening, when they start seeing the case studies, when they start, you know, hearing the stories, they will want to follow. So it kind of, it only takes a few. So. You know, if you think I might try this, then, then do it, go for it.
0: I, definitely. And if you want advice on people who have been through this process, then uh, I'd recommend uh, looking at uh, the SPAS community uh, materials from the conference this year. Uh, and we've got a number of the SPASS community members which has, are using uh, online invigilated examinations more and more, uh, particularly uh, the uh, ACT, the... Um, uh, Association of Corporate Treasures. That's it, Association of Corporate Treasures. Sorry, apologies, ACT. I, always, I, 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 I thought I'd better check on that one before I said that one. Uh, but Janet Leigh gave a, br- a fantastic update at the conference this year um, about how they've been using it and their experiences. And I think the phrase that stands out to me, you know, when these things work, it's bloody amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I remember saying that at the conference. Eh? Uh, it, it's really inspiring that some people are picking up this and doing a lot of work with it. Uh, there are other areas that you could always look at. Um, obviously, the e-assessment associations are a good source of uh, knowledge and, and power. And
1: Certainly
0: is Emma, Emma? and I were both endorsed because we're both on the board. Uh, but please do look at that. There is a special interest group uh, for the assessment association on uh, online invigilation and remote proctoring. Uh, and there are an increasing number of resources and case studies out there from other suppliers who are, are getting involved in this. So, yeah, search them out. Uh, of course, we're always going to say this come and speak to us at uh, the SPASS team and uh, we'll be able to help you take that forward.
1: Absolutely. Just ask and everyone's happy to help, I think.
0: Yeah. So the SPASS community is a strong place and resource to, to find out more information about that. I hope you found this uh, these top 10 tips. Uh, <laughs> top, 10,
1: top 10 tips? Top 10 tips.
0: I hope you found these interesting. I hope you found them useful. Uh, there are going to be more and more resources coming up on the uh, 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 Surpass.com website. Uh, so please do check those out. And uh, if you want to get in touch uh, for more information about uh, authoring, item banking, secure test delivery, summative examinations, formative examinations, personalization, uh, computer adaptive, all those wonderful things that are going on in assessment these days, then obviously do please get in touch. Uh, you can drop us a line at sales at btr.com. Uh, thank Hi. you, Emma, for that uh, excellent
1: insight. Oh, thanks, Tim, and thanks, everyone, for listening.
0: Yep, yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll be speaking to you soon. So thank you very much, and goodbye. Great.
1: Bye, everyone.